Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. 38 weeks to go. Today, we have the number one points leader, number one in weeks leader. He's our overall leader. Welcome to the show, Leon Mortier, manager of Why Are You Running? <laughs> welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Oh. So tell me, first things first, why are you running? Tell tell us about the name. So it's really funny. I consulted this like Twitter thread of funny team names uh, and they had like a hundred of them. And I was trying to go for one that A, I didn't think other people were going to pick. B, that I thought was going to be kind of funny and, and relevant to me and my team makeup. So I had aspirations of having uh, Jordan IU in my team. Uh, yeah. That didn't end up happening. <laughs> Um, but I thought I thought this was a really funny. Uh, I thought this was a really sort of funny and inoffensive. That was a, a key third uh, parameter. Was I didn't want something that was going to make anyone on, in my fantasy leagues blush. So that's how I came up with this name because I'm in a lot of work pools. So I needed something that was kosher. Oh well done. That's that's a good story because you know I don't know if you've listened to the past interviews, but I've always re I've always referred to you. I've always been like, you know, Leon is running away from you. So it has lent itself to a lot of easy jokes. <laughs> I've, I've heard that. I've also heard some very friendly, uh, what the Brits call bets, uh, from some of the other folks who were interviewed. So yes, why are you running running away with it? It's very apt. As you've heard before, you have a target on your back. The people who are chasing you down. That's right. That's right. I have heard that. <laughs> so tell me. So this is the first time you're coming on the show. So first of all, welcome. And Thank you. Thanks. You are number one, and you have been number one, I think, for maybe six weeks without being the number one points tally. So what is your strategy? How are you number one without really getting all these 100, 100, 100 points? Yeah, you know, it's, it, it's funny you ask me that. And, and when, you, when you pose the question that way, the first thing I do is I go look up my game history. And I don't just look at the points accumulation. That, that's a, an easier way to answer your question. I try and look up my transfer history. I think one of the things I did, I learned and did a little different this year uh, is to minimize the number of transfers I do. So mm. I'm only doing transfers prompted by injury news, like real injury news, and prompted by a player being out. So red cards, like, you know, if, if I had had Jackson in my squad, I know he's not going to play, then I'm open to making the transfers. One thing I focused on is consistency. So having very high quality assets and then being patient to hold them through um, underperformance. I think one of the guiding sort of principles I have is players will revert to their mean. And, and an excellent example of this from last week was Sterling, who my knee-jerk reaction after you know weeks and weeks of underperformance, I think he had one blowout performance versus Luton. I think he had like 15 yeah. or 16 po 19 points. Yes. And then the guy was just blanking, like consistently blanking. But if you know anything about the Premier League, you know Sterling is a quality asset and he will start to return points. You just have to be patient with him underperforming until he reverts to his mean. And he did. And you know what? Someone who's going through a similar spell is Holland. And my hope is people are going to start to dump him. And then he becomes, it'll allow me the freedom to dump him and get some other differential assets. Yeah. And speaking of differential assets, Salah. <laughs> this weekend, he really, he really held it down for you. He rewarded your captaincy. 
So I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you a little insight into my strategy on those edge decisions. Because that decision, the decision to captain Salah versus Haaland versus Sterling, the decision to it could I could have easily captained Saka. It's a marginal decision, right? Saka could have played, scored two goals, and then you look like a genius if you had captained it. But in the end, he ended up not playing. Those are marginal decisions. And anyone who tries to to say down to my genius is, is making it up. So what I try and do with my decision-making is get it down to where I would be comfortable losing, having a 30-point swing either way because the decision is, is well-made. And then I ask my three-year-old toddler. So when uh, Man City was playing Fulham, I said, should I triple Captain Holland? And she said, yes, 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 yes. She has no idea what I'm talking about at all. She just <laughs> lo- loves yes and no questions. She yeah. said, yes, triple Captain him. He had a hat trick. He had a hat trick against uh, Fulham, and I got—I think I got a sixty-point haul from him, Ooh. and that—that that was a differential. Um, the Salah one, I, I just I, again, there's almost too much FPL information uh, out there. <laughs> there's too much information, so I'm following all these threads. I'm subscribed to a newsletter. I follow them on Twitter and 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 on threads, and I get all of this data. And one of the data points I saw was Salah's performance against teams that sit in a low block. And this was Brighton. And I was like, look, I, I think there's something here. Let's let's try. It could have very easily been four points. Right? Then I, I wouldn't look like a genius. So I try and take it all with a, with a grain of salt. Yeah, but you know, in this week, in the top 10 in our group, only two people, me being one of them, Captain Haaland. So what was your think? What was your thinking? Why were you still captaining Holland? Oh my! I don't know how to bet against Holland. Like, I have blind faith in him. Blind, blind. <laughs> the only time I won't captain him is if he's playing against Liverpool because he hasn't scored against him yet, or if I am aware that the other team has a giant defender, like a Dan Burn or like a Craig mm-hmm, Dawson, mm-hmm, somebody who mm-hmm. just I've seen that he really struggles with size. I don't know why, but he just seems to struggle with size. It's true. Like Saliba really had him in his pocket, eh? This last weekend, I, I was watching that game, and I wouldn't say Saliba is like—I mean, he's a big guy, but he's not that big. I think getting off, uh, captaining Holland is like it, we need to get off that. It's very addictive, but there will be no differentials, right? It's very hard to. It's great if you're top of the league because then you can just do what everyone else is doing and and ride the storms. <laughs> yeah, but it wouldn't allow if you're chasing a league leader, it becomes really hard to catch them, right? Because they'll be doing the same thing. So you have to build maybe the rest of the team very differently. I think Holland has actually not been good for fantasy because A, he's mandatory. You can't not have him. And sure. I'm I'm wondering if if I'll have the the guts to drop him for the second half. Because that frees up 14 million and you can do very interesting things in your team. Yeah, like he that. can bring right. in Watkins, Isaac. That's right. That's right. That's right. And maybe even but, Tony, if if he comes back in a good form, you could bring all those three in, and then continue to build your midfield. And then I kind of want to go weaker on defense, like have some good Newcastle assets, keep my Arsenal assets, and then I still think Rodri is going to have an explosive second half of the season. I'm mm-hmm. looking for a way to bring him in. I it's just the money doesn't make sense right now. But if I can get Rodri in my team, I think he's going to have a huge impact. So, so that's quite interesting because a lot of people have faith in Rodri and I I don't get it if I'm if I'm honest with you. But I respect all of you and most of you are, are in higher <laughs> positions than me so I'm in no position to judge. <laughs> I mean, I think so you know one thing I think is you have to think about 
there's a few different aspects to the game, right? One of them is the selection of players, what's happening on the field, uh, performance, player mentality, the upcoming fixtures. There's, there's a whole piece of the game that's like actually about football, right? True. There's a second piece that's more tactical. Like, what are the rules? And you have to be strategic and take that into account. How does a defender get points? How does a defender get bonus points? How does a midfielder get points? How does an attacker get points? Because those are different. And I think anyone who can marry those two pieces, so thorough understanding of the games, of the team's fixtures, are they playing European football or not? What's the coach's mentality? Is the coach under pressure or is it someone who's been there for a while and is not worried about their job? So it's more likely to pep roulette, you know, like... Pep, you never know who's actually going to play, no matter what the team is. So, <laughs> so if you have City assets, how, like shock on you, Haaland could be bound, could be benched when you've triple captained him. Um, that, that would be that's my worst nightmare. It's going to happen. I, people were losing their hair last season because of Pep Roulette, right? And Arteta has started to do it. Like if you're holding on to Ramsdale at the start of the season, I mean, you, you look a little silly now, but. There's no way to know what was going to happen exactly. with the goalkeeper situation. So that's one piece. The second piece is, do you understand the actual mechanics of the game? When to play a wild card? Like, there's a ton of data on this. Like, uh, how to build it up? Is it better to have uh, five at the back or five at the middle or two up top? Like, what's your likelihood? This is all like a probability game, right? It becomes like understanding the hands of poker. And once you understand the hands of poker, then you can really play the game. And you can start to guess. I can look at your your makeup and think mm, uh, based on what this league is doing, uh, I feel comfortable playing with four defenders. Uh, actually, I should be more attacking this week versus not. Yeah, no, I feel it because that's what that's the kind of decision I made this weekend. I was like, I need more defenders this week, so I brought in four defenders, and I should have brought in five. Did you, you, did you did you do a wild card? No, 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 no. I, I am I've been balancing my team very well so far, although I've been taking hits. I need to listen to you now. I'm going to be monitoring my transfers. I, I lost a minus four, but that was because Estupinian got injured. Yes, and, yes, I remember that. And he was already the most transferred player out. And mm -hmm. having seen that, I knew his price was just going to plummet. And I was like, I need to get him out be before he becomes 4.9 or something like that. Because he's going to be I'm out for like a month. I'm looking at your team. So you kept faith in Morris. Was that after the Luton double game week? So... I kept him because of double game week and I anticipated uh, Saka playing. I wasn't sure. I just wanted to keep him on. Mm. Mm. But what I should have done is that I should have brought in Kufal as a first defender, as a first uh, substitute. You left five points on the bench there. Eh? That would have been a big game, game changer yeah. for you. Yeah, that, that would have been something. I also yeah. thought Son would yeah. do something. but uh, that, So Son captures the problem with with the new fantasy, as I call it. All mm. of us, all of us, because there is an element of, of luck or gambling to this game. Yeah. We're all chasing the last, whatever the last hit was, right? So <laughs> if the roulette wheel was black, everyone's like, okay, we got to do black. If the mm. roulette wheel was black even, you're like, okay, black, I have to do a black even. And so what happens, like, I looked at Son, especially after that hat trick, especially yeah. I think Sterling had blanked that week, the week that, that Son had that amazing game. Yeah. He was playing out of position, right? He was he was playing like like more as a, in a centrally attacking role. Yeah. And my thinking was, hey, is this going to be A, repeated? B, is it going to work against different defenses? And my take of Ange Paul is, if you've watched them a little bit, 
he yeah. changes the formation and where he plays players, i.e. out wide on the wing versus in a more central position based on the defense he's expecting to come up against. And so it was a happy accident with Fulham. Was it going to be repeated? And then the second part of the question, you, you can say, yes, I, I, I'm going to take that bet. The second part of the question is, what do I have to give up to bring that guy in? Am I doing hits? Have I been sitting on an underperforming asset for a while that's about to come good and I'm giving that up? Because that would have been my temptation, right? To ship Sterling out and then it still wouldn't be enough. So I'd have had to ship Sterling and maybe like a wow Pedro. And then all of a sudden you're minus four points and Son is blanking. And then you're now suddenly 20 points behind when you would have been maybe 10 points. <laughs> suddenly in the hole. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like a good, like any good gambler. <laughs> you know, I had to get rid of Rashford. Rashford had been in my team. I just kept faith in him because I just kept hoping that Manu would turn it around. And I was like, this guy's just losing value every week. And Son kept increasing in value. So I was like, okay, I'm just done. This was my last week with him. And so I waited for the Liverpool game and I just had to bring him in. Yeah. I mean, I, so people have been having, I was looking at a, actually a chart yesterday of the most underperforming assets uh, yeah. in FPL. Uh, Jackson's up there. Bruno Fernandes is up there. Rashford is up there. And the point this guy, this, you know, these fantasy football um, influencers, if you want to call them that. Yeah. The point the guy was making was, they're due to come good. Like if they're not injured or like they're not going to have, it's possible that they'll have a really bad season and, and Rashford will just haul, I don't know, 50 points for the whole season. But an asset like Rashford is due to come good. The question is, how long can you stomach it, right? This is like the stock market. You've put your, your little 100,000 shillings. It's gone down to 20,000. You're like, shit, should I sell now? Yeah, I or do I holding? hold <laughs> or do I hold? At, at the minute you sell, you've locked in your losses, right? So that's um, true. I think Rashford will come good. If the question is just like when and how far behind are you at the point that he does, where it's like maybe not even worth it. Yeah, and that's what I decided. I was just like, now let me just jump on this one bandwagon, and well, mainly because I really wanted to get Salah, but the math isn't mathing right now. <laughs> I, <laughs> I need to get. Two, two free transfers and now and then you lose another minus four to make just to bring salah i need to like a minus four and two transfers so you've played your wild card already no 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 i i'm holding it i don't feel like i need to use it just now because that would be one way to bring salah in right it would be via wild card i know but i, I like my team I, I like it the yeah. midfield it makes sense to me but i don't know we'll see we'll see let's Let's give it like two more weeks and then I'll know for sure how I'm, how I'm really, really feeling about this. Yes. One of the lessons I've had, I was looking at my performance. I've been playing, I've been playing fantasy, as you know, because I'm, I'm in your other league, the Premiers. Yeah. Um, I've, been, I've been playing fantasy since 2017. Okay. Uh, in 2017, my total haul was 1592. And okay. every year, the year after was 1600, 1700, the year after that, 2020, 1900. 2021 was flat in 1900. 2022, I started to actually understand what I was talking about before. It's not yeah. just about what's happening on the field. It's understanding like how the game is structured, the bonus points, the wild card, when to use them, how a midfielder performs and is rewarded versus a defender. And when I when I got that, I jumped 400 points. So I went from 1978 in 2021 to 2,367 points. Well, and this season, I'm at... I'm at 520. So, so sorry, not to toot my own horn. I'm not, I'm not tooting my horn at all. It was just more 
maybe for other managers it'll be helpful once you understand that second piece then it starts to you start to click right you start you understand the game which we yeah. all love it's why we're doing this then you understand how this game here works fantasy game and then the third thing which is what this season is teaching me is patience man it's patient it's like Salah was performing Beumo is another one who started strong has been blanking Pedro had the one week he had a return he was on my bench but you have to be paid. these are all good good assets and patience also means your resistance to chasing the trend right like there'll be a player on a hot streak one week ridiculous results two weeks one week he has a hat trick the week after an assist and a goal the week after that he scores again you're like oh my goodness i need to get this guy in but what you don't know is you're chasing someone on a purple patch right so you're going to get him and you you buy the asset right at the top which yeah. is the opposite of good investing and then you just write it all the way down and then you have a couple of blank weeks and you're like okay i got to sell him and then rinse and repeat so i'm trying very hard to find like sala should, should not go anywhere sterling i have hope in trippier is an excellent asset oh Ariola, goodness, he's, he's the best Trippier last season was a that was a guy who helped me understand how defend how valuable defenders can be right yeah Saliba is excellent uh, mm. Rodri is another one I'd put in that like if, I don't care if he's hold or not hold I actually don't even know what his totals are this season yeah he's gonna come good so maybe that that's my free tip to, to all your listeners bring in Rodri and and just wait patiently for <laughs> for the harvest <laughs> okay so if managers are struggling you'd say be patient. bring yeah. in rodri <laughs> well be patient and bring in quality assets if you're patient on 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 assets that are destined to underperform and there's yeah. ways to look at quality assets expected expected points is a great way it's not the problem with expected points is people look at those charts before the game week expected points uh for this game week holland uh 9.5 and then holland brings in two and they're like well this thing doesn't work it's yeah. not that it doesn't work it doesn't work in in like one instance you have to look at it over time so if you look at expected goals or expected points over the season you'll see some very clear performers expected clean sheets you'll see some very clear uh, performers like who's going to win the golden glove it's been the same keeper for the last two seasons i think so you want to look for quality high quality assets so and then you want to give them the room to run so you're basically saying have a big picture mindset yes. towards it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. don't yeah, make any correct. like sudden decisions unless of course there's an injury or like a red card or something That's like right. that. Exactly. Okay. Patient speech. The opportunistic buys feel amazing, right? Because you're like you look you feel like a genius. You're like, "Geez, I'm I'm I've got one over the house." Like I brought in Son, the whoever transferred in Son the week before he had his hat trick. Yeah. Uh, and there were some who captained him. They must have been like my goodness. And by the way, Son is another excellent quality asset. He like is. he's he's very very strong, but if you if you're just chasing his form, then when he starts to blank, you'll know that you're chasing you're playing opportunistically because when your player starts to blank, when they give you your return, you're like, "Yes." When they start to blank, you're like, "Get them out of here." And that's where you're not playing strategically. <laughs> I'm I very like... worried I'm going to jinx my run with all of this uh, pontificating. No, 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 no. This is why <laughs> you're here. There's fall. a reason you're here. This is not like some elective thing. You have earned this position. You're here because you have done the thing, you have walked the walk, and this has been a, a TED talk. I feel like I've learned a bit about investing just now. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, the, the other thing, and this is, a, you know, it'll be funny, we should come back at the end of the season. The other thing I would say, and this is a warning to myself, the season is long. The season is long. I remember when Arsenal was leading through Christmas and we thought, this is it, we're going to take this thing, it's ours. Yeah, We were leading the longest streak at the top of the table without actually winning the Premier League was my team, Arsenal. So to, I don't want to do an Arsenal here. Lead the whole way and then stumble <laughs> at the end. So, so I, I take it you're an Arsenal fan. I have loved Arsenal since the summer of 1998. Ah, um, so you came in with and Canu and Henri and... Yeah, yeah, that actually... Uh, I the, the way I fell in love with Arsenal was I was actually in... France. For there's a few of us who went from from different schools to do. We were together. Program. What are you talking about? We were, you were there. You were. There. I was just about to say. I think you were there. Yeah, that's uh, how we you met. Were there, of course. We were, we stayed in the you... same house. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> um, you'll forgive my memory because uh, as we're we're now becoming old men. That was twenty. That was twenty five years ago. Twenty five yeah, years ago. Don't don't out us like this, man. Oh my gosh! Oh, that <laughs> that makes me feel old. Yeah, that, it was me, you, Timothy, okay, so and Ivan. That's right. Ivan was there. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. So we'll we'll get off the pod and, and talk about that. Um, okay. Oh my god. Focus. Focus. Sure. Back on that. back on schedule. <laughs> we were in the same house, but that summer, that summer, uh, remember it was the World Cup, and remember we used to go watch the World Cup games, and France was having their fairy tale run. Yes. But another team was having a fairy tale run. It was Croatia. They yes. had no business being there. No yeah. business. I think it was their first game since, or their first World Cup ever, or at least since the, the end of the war. Yeah, it had been a while. And, and they just kept going and going. And they were the dark horse and the underdog, and they had no business being there. And there was a player called Davor Suker. Yes. And he ended up winning the Golden Boot. He, like, he carried the team on his back. I was like, that's, that's always been my, I've, I've, I always have this love story with underdogs, people who are not supposed to be there who are doing things they're not supposed to do. And I fell in love with that team. And then Davor Suker joined Arsenal. And I think at that point I was like, okay, no, that's my team. That's, that's going to, that my team is now Arsenal. I mean, I was, now I don't want to say my age because you can do some <laughs> reverse math there. But you, th from that, from that time, I, I fell in love with Arsenal. You know, that's the summer I started watching football. I wasn't a football fan until until that summer, and that's wow. how I became a Barcelona fan for for different reasons. But it's interesting <laughs> Wait, how we, we must, that same trip brought us football together. <laughs> how, how, what are the Barcelona reasons? I'm very curious. Um, so around that time I got back home, and now I was like, I love this football thing. This is amazing. I I I, I hadn't gotten it before, but now I'm like, football's amazing. So then I started watching this um, show called European Football Show. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and Hal mm -hmm. was the manager of Barcelona at the time. Mm -hmm. And at that time, Barcelona was hot and cold. So they would go and win like 7-3 and then they lose 3-1. But every time they won, it was just spectacular. And I was like, mm -hmm. wow. And then there were all these names that I had heard before from video games. Yeah. And so I was like, oh. Okay, I like I like I think I like these guys, and I just <laughs> I just became a fan like that. I mean, if you think about our ecosystem, right? We had those types of TV shows. By the way, let's not underestimate them. There was the the European one. There's another one called World Soccer. There was the Premier League Roundup. So we yeah. had those on TV, right? We Football had, made we had in Germany. TV. <laughs> Football. Oh my gosh! Oh, you've taken me back. Oh, that is. <laughs> That's very dangerous. What you did there, you took me back to like 1980. 
football made in Germany. Um, so we had that. And then we had um, this FIFA ecosystem. Right? If your childhood was like mine, yeah. all, all the guys at school would meet and play FIFA and we would play exactly. and play and play until we couldn't play anymore. So we're really primed to, to end up where we are now, uh, 20-something years later, talking about the Premier League for our fantasy, uh, our fantasy teams. Facts. Yeah. <laughs> now, looking at your team, who has been the biggest surprise, by the way? Who has been like the biggest that... performer? Who's the biggest underperformer? Who do you regret bringing into your team? You are asking some very interesting questions. You know, uh, Turner, let's just talk about goalkeepers for half a second. Okay. Turner has been my has been a headache for me because every time I bench him, like last week, he performs, right? He'll bring <laughs> six points, five points. But this is actually a very good, if I if I don't belabor the point, this is a very good exercise in patience with assets. So it feels that way. You know, when I, when, when I, you ask me who's the biggest surprise, it's been Turner. Like, he played versus Chelsea, brought five points, played versus Crystal Palace last week, brought six points. And I'm feeling this itch. I'm like, I should really bring him in. I should bring him in permanently, give him a, a run in the side. But he has 24 points, and, and I'm looking in real time. Let's look at Ariola, who's my starting keeper. Ariola has 33. Granted, one of those is from an outstanding performance with Chelsea in the second week, where yeah. he had 10 points. But overall, the week before last versus Sheffield United, he had six. It still makes more sense to stay with, with Ariola versus Turner, even though I am feeling like, oh, geez, I, I wish I had, I should play my bench boost soon to, to give Turner a, a run in the side. Um, that's what's been really good. My disappointment has been Joao Pedro. He is now on the verge of being of being rotated out. It's been frustrating because the times he's hauled, I've had him on the bench. But also when I've had him playing or he's come on as my first sub, he's just not performed. He's brought in one point, two points, two points versus Newcastle, a point versus West Ham. But he's had two outstanding game weeks, right? One versus Man United, one versus Luton for seven points. Um but and he's also at a very very good price point. He's at five point three. So if you go and look at who's performing as a forward at the five point three, sort of in that space, I don't know that we have a lot of very good options, right? Then you start to go down to like Morris, who you have, yeah. Edward from Crystal Palace. I don't understand. This is the other rule for me, and it's a key rule of investment as well. It's funny because this is just an investment game that we're playing. We're investing in assets. Mm-hmm. I don't invest in assets. I don't understand. <laughs> like Edward is an excellent example. Edward, for he's like Palace. he's like Bitcoin. That's right. I'm like it's going up, but no one can explain why. Like I need someone <laughs> to sit and hold my hand and be like, why is this guy so good? Because it's a long season. Mateta is another one. Like the Crystal Palace setup, I know Way Hodgson is doing a uh, he's doing a job there, but I just I don't I don't watch enough of their games. I don't understand how they play. If I were to if I were to bring in a Crystal Palace asset, I am just clout chasing. I'm chasing what I've heard. I don't understand those teams. Okay. Newcastle on the on the other side. I love Ed Howe. I actually really liked him from Burnmouth when he was a Burnmouth coach. And Isaac is like, I don't know. The problem with Isaac is minutes, right? That's the other thing that impacts this. And this is when I started to understand this game, how important expected minutes are. If yeah. Holland is getting rotated out, there's no point having him because yes, he'll haul, but he has 50 minutes or 55 minutes to do the job. Yeah. Huh. And it's interesting you talk about uh, Crystal Palace because I have watched like two of their games and when they had Olise and Eze both fit, they were amazing. And Mateta turned into Ronaldinho in the games I watched him play. (laughs) That's right. He was just having like assists off the back of his shoulder. He's cutting everybody. I'm like, 
Mateta? In fact, <laughs> I was thinking that next season I'm just going to name my team Hakuna Mateta, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a genius name. Stolen. Stolen. <laughs> no, because it's it, it was it's wild. Yeah. And I know yeah. what you're saying. Like, for example, Wolves. Yes. Neto and Juan. Yes. This season, yes. Juan has already equaled Did the goal season, goal tally he had last season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wolves are weaker on paper by any way you want to measure it, but they're performing well. They're performing well. If you don't have Huang now, this is this is a, actually distills it crystallizes what we're saying into a into a. He's outperformed last season, so the impetus, the desire, is to bring him in now, right? It's like, geez, I gotta get on this guy. What is the likelihood that he's gonna double next season? Because then that's all. That's the all the upside that's left for a manager who brings in Huang. I was looking at him. I was looking at him. Wolves again. I don't rate them. I I just I don't. Uh, West Ham is a team I, I like and respect. In, if we're talking about mid-table teams, Everton another example. Terrible, struggling, but Calvert-Lewin looks like he might be interesting. And so you have to allow yourself, I think that's the other thing, you have to allow yourself one or two assets that are a Huang, a Calvert-Lewin, a Mateta, that if they don't haul, you're not upset. You're like, look, you can sit on my bench, you can be a first sub, and I don't mind if you don't haul in the short term. You're there to... I'm giving you some space to breathe. And you set an int- it's just like investing, really. That's yeah. what they call a stop loss. If this guy blanks for eight weeks, okay, at eight weeks, sell the asset. It's done. Like, I don't care what it does after. That's its own business. But I, <laughs> that's my stop loss. You know, I, I can't give up that real estate for that long. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes a yeah, lot of sense. That's how I think about it. I think the game is so much more fun when you understand the assets that you're, you're bringing on, right? Like, you, you have a chance to watch them. And I don't watch, like, if it's, you know, come on. If it's like a Luton versus versus West Ham, that's not going to be the game I'm going to watch, necessarily. Yeah. I'll, I'll see the highlights. But if Crystal Palace is playing Man City, Olise is a great asset that you mentioned. I saw him even last season. I was like, who is this kid? Yeah, We'll see. Ansu Fati is another one. If he gets time at Brighton, if he gets actual expected minutes, that would be a very smart one to bring in. Maybe on the bench, start on the bench. But if I have Wao Pedro, why shouldn't I have Ansu Fati? It's true. You're right. Yeah. So you said you're an Arsenal fan, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you balance between heart and logic? For team selection? Yes. There's no balance. It's 100% logic. It's head. It's all head. Oh. Um, actually, um, it's funny you say that because I'm looking at my Arsenal squad, uh, my current team. I only have two players from Arsenal, Saka and Saliba. Yeah. I think... Uh, if an asset is hauling, then you're welcome to stay re- regardless of... I, I mean, as I said before, I need to understand your team, how you set up, how you play, uh, what your alternates are, because every team has a primary um, a primary setup and then an alternate, depending on who they're playing, except for Man City, who, who changes like... They must have 15 different uh, setups. <laughs> uh, but most teams sort of play and look the same way. I need to understand that. And then from there, I need to understand sort of your opponent as well, right? Like a, a little bit about your opponent. And then from there, I can sort of try and guess how you're going to set up. But for Arsenal, me watching the games on the weekend is just that pure heart. And obviously, I have one eye on live FPL to see my live rank. For team selection, it's just it's just head. So, so I'm actually heavier Man City than I am Arsenal right now. Ah, uh, yeah, I think most of us are. It's just a comp- it's just yeah. trying to figure out who is the third player. So I've gone for like Edison, 
and then Haaland and Alvarez because Alvarez is shooting up this season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I'm telling you what I really want to do. And, and I hope God will give me the courage. I want to sell Haaland. Because then the game gets really interesting. If it you if you have fun. the courage, it becomes more fun. You can do more interesting. You can strengthen literally every line of your team. You can get a better goalkeeper, stronger the premium defense. Like you can get a Rolls Royce defender, Rolls Royce midfielder, and maybe you know like a Toyota Corolla forward. But that's fine because you you keep Alvarez, who's going to continue to to haul. And you can just make the rest of the, the the line stronger. This guy, I think this is actually a stat I'm going to look up after we're done talking is return versus price. Like yeah. how much are assets bringing back? Actually, that's the one cut of data I haven't seen. How much are assets returning based on their price? And then you equalize it. And I bet you Holland is is probably producing as much as like definitely less than Salah. Salah has, all, I think, every game week. Is that the stat? Um, yes, he hasn't gone a game week without hauling. Oh, okay, he blanked against Tottenham. He had one, but he's he's been doing great. Yeah, he has an assist or, or a goal every week, except That's one right. game week. Except he for Tottenham, yeah, game yeah. week seven, he yeah. had no goals, no assist. Wow. So now, yeah. random question. Mm-hmm. You know the thing about fantasy is that, I guess the reason we love it is because it's unpredictable. So I look at your team. And it's very first eleven heavy. Mm-hmm, how do mm-hmm. you get? How do you plan for uh, the uncertainty that is inevitable? Like for example, with Asaka, you have. I'm looking at your bench now. You have Wal- Baldock and Sar. <laughs> <laughs> and Baldock is injured. I think. <laughs> yeah, he's injured. He's, he's not playing yeah. next week. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, so... and his price went down. He's at three point nine. <laughs> he's, well, is it? Is it going to be like three point nine now? I don't even know how much yeah, he is. He's a, He's at 3.9. You can't sell him for anything. <laughs> so like now, yeah, and this brings my question into light. Like, for example, I'm going for like more of a balanced uh, thing, but it doesn't help me if your good players on the are not getting points on the bench, you know? But then the, the alternative is like, I look at your team and I'm like, so is the strong 11 the way to go? Is, is that what you think? Is that like your position? I, I think that's a, first of all, that's a very... Excellent question. I like it. Um, I think the the strong bench becomes more important as the season wears on, right? Early in the season, you're not expecting... Like, if a player is getting your threat, your threat is really around expected minutes, right? Around, but more t- from a tactical lens. It's not so much injury. Uh, though, to be fair, I started the season with Timber. Timber was one of my starting defenders, and I had to rotate him out right away because oh, yeah, he got injured. Yeah, I had high expectations for him because I watched yeah. him in preseason. But early on in the season, you're expecting people to really perform. It's almost like it's the start of the race. You're not expecting people to pull up injured. I yeah. think as the season evolves and as we continue to to have international breaks, uh, European Cup competitions, uh, like League Cup competitions, and the games start to mount, then injury risks become extremely important. And you're absolutely right. Like prudent bench management becomes even more important. And that's where you want to start to shift the mix, right? So that it's more like high quality across the squad. Right now, I have no issues carrying a Baldock. He hasn't played for me. He hasn't done anything. He's been drafted as the lowest price point to sit on the bench. That's his job. <laughs> um, it's a bit like me in high school. So he's <laughs> doing exactly what you brought him for. That's it. That's it. If Baldock is playing, 
it means something has gone disastrously wrong in my main <laughs> starting 11, right? Like, I, 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 don't, I don't know this guy. It's actually the one place where I'm going against everything I've said before. I don't know him. I've never seen him play. Yeah. I know nothing about him. I you can't pick him out of a lineup? I, I, I would not be. If the guy came up and shook my hand, I wouldn't know who he is. So I put him, uh, I, I drafted him because he's cheap and he can sit at the far end of the bench with very low risk of, of actually coming on to play. And, you know, as we're talking about him, um, I don't think he's played. I don't think he's played this season. No, he played. No, he's played twice. Once versus uh-huh. Everton, once versus Man City. No, he's played three times. But the last four game game weeks, he's not yeah. come. He's not played. He's had zero minutes. This is danger. You're right. It's danger. It's not a good use of the bench. But early in the season, that's a risk I'm willing to take to free up some funds for um, for the rest of the the squad to have um, a strong start. And then exactly to have a strong start because I think one thing with this game. It's, I don't know. Actually, I'm curious. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I think it's easier to maintain a lead than to catch someone up. That's my working theory. I'm not sure. What do you think? Me, my theory is that people give up on fantasy too quickly. They take losses too personally. And once they get shaken up, they start making bad decisions. Mm -hmm. And so your job is to just be steady. Just yes. keep doing the things you're supposed to do and watch people panic and then just pass them. Uh, how has that been working out? I'm, I'm very curious. It, it's usually a tactic that works from January because uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, people tend mm-hmm. to give up in December. Well, not really give up, but they lose focus because yeah. December comes, parties begin, the yeah. games come very fast. Focus is lost. There's double game weeks. You don't even know. Exactly. Games get postponed. The cups mess up the schedules. Suddenly you have six players who are not playing and then you lose heart because you've already used your free hit in like August. (laughs) That's right. And now you're seeing somebody else hasn't used their free hit and then they have, and then it's like Son who they they captain and you couldn't bring in Son and then they get like 60 points and then you're like, shit. That's right. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, this. Like, screw it's this like game. Rage, it's like it's like rage quitting in FIFA. <laughs> <laughs> when you're three 0 down at halftime, you just turn off the, the PlayStation. Yeah, like, disconnect the internet. Say, <laughs> that's, oops. That's right. <laughs> yeah, and, and so yeah, it's yeah. it's tricky, and I think that's where now you have a fall off from the people who are serious mm-hmm. and the people who aren't, and then now from that point on. I think the people at the top, you know, injuries begin to take effect. Cup games begin to happen. The better teams start reaching the final stages of these of these competitions. Yeah. And then that's when you start to have these differentials of like, oh, Bayern Munich are playing Man City. And so Haaland is playing that's 30 right. minutes. That's right. Then it becomes more, it becomes a more strategic game, right? Because you yeah. have to start to think about like, th- that's the whole point. You have to start to think. If if Man if Man City are playing Holland and uh, sorry if Man City are playing uh, Bayern and let's say they're also in the FA Cup and let's say they also have a double game week, then yeah. squad rotation and your bench the depth of your bench becomes super important. The margins aren't big. It feels big now because it's early. It's like oh we're forty points back. There'll be forty point swings later in the season. Like it will be going back and forth uh, for forty points. That's for sure. Mm. That's for sure. And one of the things I'm wondering about, in a past interview, uh, I was talking to Mr. 100, 
<laughs> as he likes to be yeah. referred to. <laughs> That's right. And one of the things he said, which I found interesting, is that he said, this season, more than any other, is a midfielder's league. And so he he was of the opinion that most managers should really focus on having five good midfielders, mm-hmm. possibly Haaland, and then whatever. What is your, how do you view the league? Do you agree with that statement or yeah. do you have a variation? That's, no, that's actually such an astute observation, right? Because I'm trying to think of a second example. We've used Son as an example. Son is, a, he's classified as a midfielder, but he's been playing through the middle, right? He's been playing almost as a striker. Yeah. Rashford is another one who's been playing out of sort of, uh, he's a midfielder, but playing in a striker-like role. Yeah. Rodri is a third, right? Uh, yeah. Like a classified as a midfielder, playing through the middle. So these are literally striking assets, but with they're playing like they're playing like forwards, but they're classified as midfielders, right? So there's a huge opportunity. That's hey, Mister One Hundred, you are one hundred percent correct. Yes, yes, yes. And so if you're a really ballsy manager, right? You want to start, you, you want to go overweight because there's different, there's premium defenders or uh, like there's premium assets, like luxury assets, like a Holland, um, Masala is another one, uh, Van Dijk is another one. And then there's some of these more pedestrians and you need both in your team. You can't have luxury all the way across. That's the, that's the cost constraint. So I think concentrate your luxury assets in the middle plus Holland to the extent that you can. And that, as I say that, I look at my team and that's what I've done. Right, Saka, Sterling, and Salah in the middle, Holland yeah. up top, and Alvarez. I I'm going to be willing, and I'm as you can tell where which way I'm leaning. I need to make a change in the forward line. I want to wait until the Christmas break to see how Holland and Alvarez perform. Yeah. But it's killing it's killing me to have Alvarez because it's denying me a lot of luxury assets elsewhere on the team. To have Alvarez or Holland? Uh, sorry, oh, Holland, Holland, the 14 million uh, pound Holland. Uh, Alvarez, I kind of want to keep. I want to keep him. I, th- I think he's he's a, he's an exciting he's an exciting prospect. Yeah, he's perfectly priced. Yeah, he's he, and that's the other thing. He, his price point it makes sense. Haaland's doesn't at fourteen. Well, let's just wait. I mean, famous last words. Everyone who's counted this guy out <laughs> has been counted out, right? So it's true. Um, we'll we'll see we'll see where that goes. Yeah, and that's the thing with Haaland. You just can't bet against him, right? He, that's his career. He's like, bet against me, I'll haul a tri- uh, hat-trick. I think the guy's got two more hat-tricks in him this season. Oh, yeah. That's for so. sure. That man, he's so young. He's got so much unfulfilled potential. And once, yeah. like, Rodri comes back, and then De Bruyne comes back, oh, and then Man City starts right. firing on all cylinders. It's and over. then they become that What's oiled the... machine. Where that's they... it. That's it. Because, you know, the, pro- the thing with Haaland, the way he plays, he plays very few touches, Right. He can go with 13 touches in a game, which is, if you think about it, is insane. It's like, I mean, the goalkeepers have more touches than him. He, he'll be the, <laughs> the outfield player with the least touches across both teams. The problem is, or the opportunity is, with two of those touches, he'll score. And so you have to just say, like, I can't count this guy out. I'm going to continue to keep him yeah. until he gives me a good reason not to. You said you've used your uh, triple captain. Yes, I did. I did. Yeah, that was that was a stroke of very, very good luck. <laughs> yeah, I very did. well done. It it got you sixty points. I mean, that's that's a perfect use of it. Yeah, 
Yeah, that was, I mean, so, so look, th- this is what I think over the whole of the game, right? You're going to have breaks like that. And you also have, I transferred out Mitoma um, to, I, I brought, I was thinking, I brought in Rice. It, it goes both ways, right? So I'm looking at my triple captain week. I, I had 95 points that week. I triple captain Haaland, uh, which was fantastic. So lucky. If you look at the rest of the team, I had nothing. I had nothing. It covered over the weakness across the rest of the team. Trippier had one. I had Chilwell. I had, by the way, Chilwell is another asset. We should do a whole other pod on because I had a very high hopes for him. I had to transfer him out with the injury. That was one I was going to hold for a while. Saliba had two. Stupinan had two. Like the rest of this, the team, I would have had something like 30 points. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. I would have had 35 points with the rest of the team. But that triple captain of Holland, it first of all, it rocketed me up the standings and then yes. it covered up a lot of weakness. That was the point I said, okay, I need to get rid of Chilwell. I need to reconsider Estupinan. I need to think about Mitoma. Uh, and sure, sure, the way this game goes, once I got Mitoma out, he went and hauled, I think, 13, 15 points that week. But I'm happy <laughs> to take that L. I'm happy to take that L. Well, you see the thing about uh, like Brighton's defense. I don't know if you've seen the stats. They have conceded 16 goals in the Premier League this season. <laughs> yeah, so they have, a, they have a terrible defense. But the, the thing with Estupinan, and this is, again, uh, when a defender scores or has an assist, it just counts for more. And Estupinan, is, he, he's always... Remember when Arsenal scored that Man City goal? Yeah. And the, even the commentator was surprised. Here's Tomiyasu. Like, what's he doing up there? That's, yeah. a, that's how Estupinan plays, right? He's always... So far advanced, he plays like he, play, he plays like a classic um, winger. He's all the way up, and he's always whipping in crosses. But after a few blanks, I said, "Okay, enough. I'm done rolling my dice with this guy." No, no, that's fair. I mean, the only reason I got rid of him was because of the injury. But I was also struggling with him because every time I didn't have him, he would provide an assist. And then him and Mitoma have this good chemistry. So yes. when Mitoma is on, Estupinian is on. It just goes that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want to go back to the triple captain um, question that you you asked me. Yeah. If I ha- if I still had it, you know what I would have done? I would have played it for the Luton double game week on Morris. I would look for double game weeks for teams playing against uh, with a good striker for teams with a good striker playing against teams that have high, concede a lot of goals. So if Brighton's playing against, uh, I don't know, if there's a double game week over Christmas. That would be that would be the place where you could, and then that's why I'm saying the, the league is so open. If people are still sitting on triple captains, you do that, you get forty points. All of a sudden, you're you're like five points behind me, right? And yeah. and then it's a it's then it's a very different game, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, positioning at this point doesn't mean anything. So do you think you'll be using your wild card or the free hit anytime soon? Um, I'm saving those again as fatigue starts to set in, injuries start to get heavy. My wild card, I'm trying to hold as close to game week 19 as I can before I use it. I've been tempted many, many times, yeah. um, but I want to get deeper into into this first half of the season. The other thing is the advice with the patience is patient, but carry but carry a long big stick, right? Talk softly, but carry a big stick. When yeah. when it's not working, cut quickly. Don't hold on a, a game week beyond what you're supposed to. By game week 12, game week 13, game week 14, signs are there of a good season or not a good season. Oh, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Now, I, I, from the group leader and team leader and point leader, just overall leader, what insights have you gleaned so far over these eight weeks that you would share with us? There's a few. 
there's a few. Not to belabor the, the patient's piece, I think that's a big one. Buy high quality assets, be patient with them. That's 100% the first thing. Two, there's hidden opportunities. If you're patient, if you put your nose to the grindstone, you have to. There's little signals of upcoming formation changes. Uh, anytime, I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, there's a few coaches who are on um, on death watch, right? They're, they're, we're not sure if they're going to survive. Hecking Bottom, I think is his name, yeah, uh, is one at Sheffield. They're, they're playing horribly. There's a few, there's, there's things like that. So when a new coach comes in, implements a new system, a player, an asset that was underperforming can spring to life, burst into life. There's also the transfer window in January to be really thoughtful about. Like Ivan Tony is coming back. And that's, you know, we're talking about premium assets. That would be Ivan Tony plus Alvarez would be a good replacement for Holland if you want to be, if you want to be ballsy. Mm. The other thing I've been thinking a lot about is fixture density. Like double game weeks are, are going to start piling up. And those mm. double game weeks offer unique windows to triple or quadruple your haul based on how you play your team. But overall, my number one takeaway is just to be patient with yourself, with your team, with your assets. Make good decisions at the outset. Research carefully. Be very, very slow to buy an asset, but be very quick to, to, to like give them the time that they need to perform. And when they reach whatever limit you've set for them of non-performance, be quick to cut. Be quick to cut. Be like, we're done. Um, okay. You're not performing for the way I've set up. Okay. Now, looking forward to game week nine. Are there any changes you're going to make? Are there people you're looking to bring in or are you cutting anybody? Uh, you guys are just you guys are just gonna steal my uh, my uh, my approach here. Eh? <laughs> uh, so Man City is going up versus Brighton, which we've already talked about, right? Like how open uh, Brighton is in in defense, or how leaky the defense is. I think there's unique opportunities there. Haaland, Chelsea's going up. <laughs> oof, oof. I don't. You know, Liverpool's going up versus Everton. I expect Salah to haul there. I expect Salah to hold, but yeah, that, this is this is the conundrum that will exist as long as Haaland is in the Premier League. Because the minute you don't, <laughs> the minute you don't captain him, he's going to score four, right? Yeah. I, I think it, to answer your question for upcoming game week, I, I'm looking at the team that I have set out right now. I need more Newcastle. I'm interested in Newcastle assets if I can get some. Probably a Haaland captain, let's be honest. I trust the assets that I have. I've got good quality assets. Like at the back... I really like Trippier. Cash, I'll be very honest and open with you. That's me. I this is I this is me not following my advice. I've not watched this guy play. Everyone is raving about him, and I needed to make a transfer. So I brought him in for a stupid nod. But I don't know if that's I don't know if I'll live to regret that or not. You only had really two choices, either him or Kufal. That's it. But I don't I don't know these guys. So okay. I don't like buying guys I don't know. Fair. Dan Byrne, big Dan Byrne scored his first Champions League goal. I'm excited about him. Isak, I really like. So no big changes. I, I will say from, from a midfield perspective, Beumo is on is on watch list. I'm watching him carefully in terms mm -hmm. of uh, if he continues not to haul. I'd like to nice. switch and yeah, he's on very thin ice. I'd like to bring in I'd I'd love to bring in Rodri, which means I'd have to give up a Man City asset. So it's shaping up like if I think about my wild card, it's shaping up to what I'd want to do for that transfer. Do you have an unpopular football opinion that you'd like to share with us? For example, let me give you mine. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, and it could be just general, I mm -hmm. think Mbappe should have gone 
to Al Hilal or wherever he was, whichever team offered him money, he should have gone. Seven hundred fifty million dollars is seven hundred fifty million dollars. Yeah, yeah. And whether Mbappe stayed in PSG or not, PSG will win the the La Liga. I mean Liga, mm-hmm, 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 and mm-hmm. they will not win the Champions League. And that will leave him in the same position he was in the season before. And nobody in this world will criticize somebody for taking seven hundred and fifty million for one year. So, do you have any such hot takes? <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm going with your hot take, looking for a point of contention, and I'm like, no, no lies detected. I agree with everything you just said. <laughs> my my hot take is the Premier League's days are numbered. I think the Saudi money is it's just distorting football in a really poisonous way, mm-hmm. and I think in twenty years when we're looking back. And having this this podcast and our league is all VR and AR and we're sitting in the same room virtually, we'll look back and be like, remember when the Premier League was? I think we take it for granted that it is perennial. It'll always exist. It'll always exist in its current form. I think some of the stuff happening with the Saudi money, it's especially when it's it was cute at the start when it was like guys who are clearly over the hill like ronaldo's yeah. going like whatever it's done he's he's he can go and get his his big payday but when Mane left i was like Mane should have just stayed at liverpool he had at least four or five more seasons and retired as a legend but these guys they're starting to get more and more when karim benzema went this guy who just won the ballon d'or like yeah this is like- this is I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, literally, they have this the Ballon d'Or winner, like right now. The current it doesn't make sense. Ballon d'Or winner is playing in Saudi Arabia, and I know it sounds a bit xenophobic. I don't know. I don't know how it sounds actually, but I don't think it's good for football. And maybe it's good that that current thing is being broken up. Maybe it shouldn't. All, why should it all be European leagues? Maybe we should have like a world league, whatever. But the way it's happening now, mm. and the use of money is going to destroy the game. And we will look back and wonder how we were sitting here twiddling our thumbs as it happened. Uh, interesting. So you don't think that um, England is the current Saudi Arabia? And it's... Yes, right. The sort of uh, post-colonial argument, right? It's like, well, wh- <laughs> why? how is it different if it's like, if it's England? Yeah, I agree. I'm open. I mean, I understand. I, and I think, I think maybe this new thing is breaking it to mm-hmm. build like, some, maybe we'll have like, you know, like instead of having all the players at Arsenal and Chelsea and Liverpool. If you think about it logically, it doesn't make sense. Why is there such a density of talent in, in one country, in one league? It, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But the problem is, and my real unpopular opinion is, the way we broke it open was with money, which yeah. means the way we'll put it back together will be with money. And, you know, that just leads to very unfortunate outcomes. And I'm not, I'm not excited about that. Okay. Well, that makes sense. One more unpopular opinion. I don't think players should have the time to uh, choose which country they want to play for. I think mm-hmm. this thing of like delaying for as long as you can, waiting to see if you're going to get called up for one country versus another. I think we need to have like a like a, a player signs like locks in early because what's happening now is like, like you want international football, you're Ghanaian British, and you wait to see if you're getting picked by the UK, and then at the very last, very very last minute when it's clear you're not play in the uk you switch to your home country mm-hmm. i think that's just bad for football it's disrespectful to to less powerful teams um yeah i would change that if i was head of fifa so then what about like what spain have done where they and Sufati's blowing up poof, debut lamin yamal from barcelona is blow, poof, 16 year old 
youngest debutant for Spain. I mean, because they don't want him to go to Morocco. Dude, imagine if Kenya's whole team was people from Bolivia. <laughs> you'd be like, you'd be like this, like fine, he's Kenyan, but is he? And then you'd start to be like, I don't know, I I don't know. It's it's a very it's very nuanced. No, I, I think I, I agree. Think, yeah, it's they're bringing the club mentality to nation, and the whole thing with the nation is that you have some connection to the country you're representing, right? Like yeah. Isak is a great example. Isak I consider Swedish. Like I think he considers himself Swedish. I think yeah. Swedish people consider him Swedish. Like he speaks Swedish. He's from there. But like this thing of like Nash is the new big hot property and all these countries are like we'll give you citizenship. It's just a weird power imbalance and it's not it's not good for the game, I don't think. It's not good for the player either. No, I, I agree with that. That makes sense. So maybe not that unpopular. <laughs> no, no. I mean it's it isn't popular because a lot of people don't want that. They want the choice. Like they want all the mm-hmm. French Algerians to decide to play for France. Yeah. Unless France doesn't want them, you know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It, it's a system that only benefits the strong nations. That's exactly it. That's exactly the point. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And so it should be taken away. It should be like, was he born there? No, that's that. Or, it, or if there's a strict thing of like his mom or his dad. If they that's have that it. Exactly. citizenship, maybe that time. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly right. Um, okay. I think you're 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 spot on. Okay. And with that, I just want to say thank you so much. Yeah, this was great. This was great. great. Thank you for having me, Nash. No, thank you. It's been great to talk to you. I've been wanting to talk to you. I was like, when are we yeah. gonna talk to this guy? He's always at the top, but he's never number one. And now you are both of those things. And so I get to <laughs> have an interview with a league leader and a points leader. In one swoop, that's amazing. This is awesome. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Let's 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 do a, a season recap at the end. We'll see where everything shakes out. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing, and we shall do that. Yeah, awesome. All Thanks, right. Nash. Right. Thank you. All right. Cheers.